Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you today. We are halfway through the 90 days of prayer that we have asked you to consider doing with us. Um, We're doing this series on prayer for two reasons. One, we want to unleash in each of us a life filled with powerful prayer, that we would be people who pray regularly, consistently, and for God to lead us in our life. Secondly, we want to be here at the Church of Pickerington We want God to be our only guide. And you know, Scripture lays out for us a lot of really important principles about what God values in church and what God wants in church. But each context and each time in history and each place in the world requires the answer to how exactly are we going to do that. And here in this place, we don't want to just rely upon human wisdom. We want God to lead us and God to guide us. And so we've asked you for 90 days to pray this simple prayer from Colossians 1, the prayer that Paul was praying for the church in Colossae that they would understand as well. And so I'm going to pray again with us today, and then we'll get started. Father, our God in heaven, we know you are near to us, but we also recognize that you are great and grand and able to do all things. Father, as a congregation of your people, our petition to you is that you would fill us with complete knowledge of your will through the wisdom and understanding that only comes from you. God, as your people, we want to live a life worthy of you. We want to be pleasing to you in all things. Father, we want to bear fruit in the good work that we do in this place, and we want to grow in our knowledge of you so we as your believers can be strong and have endurance with patience. God, we give you the thanks because you alone are the one who brought us out of the darkness into the kingdom of light to be with your people. And so we pray for your presence. We pray for your direction. In Jesus' name, amen. So it was the fall of 2010, and at that time I was working for Jeff and Darla Berman, and I was traveling a lot. And one Friday morning I had an early flight to Chicago, and it was in the fall, and I walk in, and it's probably about 6.30 in the morning, and I go to the gate where we're going to you know, take off here in a little bit, and I'm standing around, and everybody's really somber and really quiet. It looks like people who are not from Columbus had to come to Columbus for work for a week, and then they were going home, and they were just bummed out they were here for a week or something. I don't know what was going on, but it was just super quiet early in the morning. And I'm standing there. I got my uh, bag, and I'm looking around, and all of a sudden, I see this really well-dressed guy. I mean, he's like looking good. He's got this really cool hat. I can't remember if they're, I don't know if they're called like the flat hat or the scally hat. You know, you know the, the hat the old guys wear, you know what I'm talking about? You know, like it pinches down in the front. Foot, uh, no, not, not the one with the wings, but you know what I mean. It, okay. And all of a sudden I look over and I realize it's Archie Griffin. And I'm like, it's Archie Griffin, you know? And nobody knows it's him. I'm just like standing around looking like, do, do you 35, 40 people, this is like a regional flight, you know, no first class kind of thing, and it, I'm like, does nobody know this is Archie just hanging out here? Because he's not like hiding himself, he's wearing a Buckeye sweater, like, the guy's just there, you're ready to probably sign autographs, and nobody knows, and so I just kind of stand there, and I give him the little nod, like, I won't blow your cover, we're good, just <laughs> you and I, we got something, Archie. 
So we're waiting, and of course, you know, they board, we board the plane, and I get on the plane, and guess who I'm sitting by? Archie Griffin, you know, I'm like, I got an hour and a half, you know, and I'm, we talked the whole time, the whole way to Chicago. He was going to Madison for the Buckeye game in Wisconsin. I was going on somewhere else, and um, we talked about everything but football. I didn't want to blow his cover, and you know, we're just hanging out, and I really enjoyed the time that I got to sit with him, and he was really cool. He had a lot to tell me about, and a lot to share, and um, I realized something in that moment that man, he's a lot more like us than what we think sometimes. Not just Archie, but celebrities, famous people. Maybe something in their psyche changes after they get pretty famous in life. I'm sure that has an effect on you that impacts you. But at the end of the day, these professional athletes or movie stars, they're just people, right? They're just like us. And I think sometimes, I know I do, I think about people that I read about in the Bible like I think about movie stars and celebrities, that they're not like me, that they're a little bit different, when in fact, they're very much like us. That's really why I had Richard read this one verse about laboring in prayer about this guy named Epaphras. We're going to learn a little bit more about him in just a moment. But I want to tell you something. Um, The most common feedback that I've gotten so far since July when we started this sermon series on prayer is this. Almost everyone that I've talked to says something along the lines of this statement. You, You know, prayer is just a real struggle for me. Or, I'm really struggling to pray. And each person that I talk to about prayer, when they say, you know, they struggle with prayer, they're really struggling to get into a good rhythm of prayer, they all have different reasons. It could be they don't know what to say or when they should pray. Sometimes there's a desire that's lacking there. Sometimes they don't, it, prayer doesn't feel natural. For a lot of you, you get distracted too easily, right? We just kind of start praying, then we forget that we're thinking about something else. And each time, the same word is used by us, though. Almost everybody I've talked to speaks about struggle with prayer. And they speak about struggle, we speak about struggle and prayer in sort of an embarrassing kind of way, like it shouldn't be that way. And so I wanted to pause, this wasn't necessarily in the order, but I wanted to pause and come back to this subject. Now, if you remember, we started this series from Luke chapter 11 showing that Jesus' own disciples needed help in praying. They didn't know how to pray. They didn't know how to pray the way Jesus wanted them to pray. And so they asked for help, and Jesus, to help them, gave them, if you remember, content to pray. He gave them actual words, and we learned at the beginning, when you want to pray, start with Scripture. Just take words from God and make them personal prayers. That's a great way to start praying. Jesus gave them connection. He told them a story that was a common story, and he said that's sort of what prayer is like, and it reminded us that we can take common moments in our life. Like when we're driving the car, we're worried about something. Make that a prayer. When you're complaining about something, make that a prayer. When you're gossiping, pause and intercede instead of gossiping. Do you see, we can take common moments in our life and convert them to prayers. But ultimately, we learn that Jesus gave them confidence. He made a promise about God that he is the best father there is. And if you, being evil, know how to take care of your children, how much more God in heaven. Confidence in prayer. But still, prayer can be hard, can it? It can be difficult. And the reason is, mainly, the last thing Satan wants is for you to pray. You see, you are no stronger and he is no weaker in the moments when you pray. That's when he gets weak and you get strong. 
And he doesn't want you to be praying. And so we come to this guy named Epaphras. He's a trusted companion of Paul. He's called a fellow servant and a faithful minister. Most likely he was converted by Paul in Ephesus. Paul probably sent him to Colossae to teach and to preach. Paul had spent time with him, training him. And then he was sort of a runner back and forth from churches back to Paul. And he would minister to Paul. He would care for Paul when Paul was in house arrest in Rome writing some of these letters. And so he's a very important person to Paul. And from what we learn about him in the four or five places we see him brought up is that he's a powerful leader in the church. Epaphras is well known amongst the Christians in that area. He's a powerful, dynamic leader. We learn that he's a strong and faith-filled believer in Jesus Christ. And in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul says something very subtle, but really, really important for you to see about Epaphras. He's writing back to the church at Colossae, and he says, hey, your minister Epaphras, he loves you, he cares about you, and he is with me right now, And he's praying, but he says this, Epaphras is always laboring in prayer. Laboring. Hmm. Do you know what word is actually being used right there? This is the actual word that we would translate for the word struggle. Epaphras is struggling in prayer. You see, I think prayer, I think Epaphras would say what you and I say, that prayer can be a real struggle, that I've got to really dig in to do prayer. Prayer is challenging for me. See, what I want to point out first of all, and then we'll get into this, is this point. Being effective in prayer and struggling in prayer are not mutually exclusive ideas. That when you struggle in your prayer, when you have to fight to dig in to do it, when it takes discipline, when it takes effort, and you're not really, things aren't clicking, that doesn't mean that your prayer life is ineffective. That doesn't mean that you're failing as a person who prays. The evidence that you're struggling does not mean that it's evidence that you're not doing good at prayer. Are you following with me? So when you speak about your prayer life and say it in a way that's like, you know, it's a struggle for me. It's kind of hard for me. Do not speak of that in a way that says you're failing at prayer. When prayer is difficult, when you say it's just not natural, maybe I'm not even desiring it right now, I get confused on what to say. Sometimes I'm praying, then I'm thinking, then I'm daydreaming, and then I've got to put my phone down and start praying again. If that's you, don't equate that with failure in your prayer life. Okay? You see, it was a struggle for him to pray. That's the way we would describe agony. Like, like, like Epaphras was agonizing. It was a conflict. He was endeavoring, but it took a lot of zeal and strenuous effort for him to do this. And Paul says that he wasn't just struggling occasionally, like when he was tired at night or after a long days of work. He said he was always doing this. Meaning prayer isn't always just simple and easy and zen. Sometimes prayer is wrestling and fighting and challenging. And the reason is because people matter and the stakes are high. And you've got an enemy that does not want you to pray. He does not want you to pray. He does everything he can to make sure you don't. I want to learn two really simple things today, okay? About prayer from Epaphras who's fighting to pray to hopefully encourage you that in your struggle, struggling is normal and we can work through that. The first thing is this. Prayer is not for the select few. 
Okay? Prayer is not for the select few. It is a misconception that we can have that prayer is easy for some people and hard for other people. It's a misconception that prayer is a special ministry for certain people. You see, prayer is not a spiritual gift that's just given to a few people. Prayer is a responsibility for every believer. That's why Paul says this. If you notice in chapter 4, verse 12 again, look at it. He says, Epaphras, comma, who is one of you. Now, he's not saying this to say that Epaphras is just from Colossae. Like, yeah, he comes from the same neck of the woods that you come from. That's not exactly what he's saying. This language, when he says Epaphras, comma, one of you is always laboring in prayer, what he's saying is Epaphras is made out of the same material. He's just like you. He's the same as you. He's the same as the rest of us. Literally, it means made out of the same substance. Epaphras has the same raw materials, physically, spiritually, that you do. He doesn't have a head start in prayer. He doesn't have a special anointing that allows him to pray in an easier manner or a different way. You see, nobody has a head start in being able to pray. We're all the same. Now, this gives me more insight, more respect, and so much more love for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why. This language, Epaphras, one of you, is the exact same language the Bible uses when it talks about Jesus' incarnation, meaning becoming like us. He became a human. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, and one of the core doctrines about Jesus was that he became like us. He took on flesh like us. He understood weakness like us. He understood fatigue and hunger like us. Jesus released or let go of holding on to the glory of being God and took on the fullness of being exactly like us in a finite existence. I think that means Jesus had to struggle to pray too. That he had to fight for it. That he had to work to make sure he prayed. Now his life was just saturated in prayer. You find him waking up early in the morning in Mark chapter 1 to go out to pray. You find him escaping from the crowd to pray. You find when he has big decisions to make, he's praying all night. You find when he wants to make an impact and show people the glory of God, first he prays. Jesus, his life was saturated in prayer. And I think it, he had to struggle to do it. I think he had to fight fatigue when he was tired at night or didn't want to get up early in the morning. I think he had to fight to find the time to pray. I don't know why we think sometimes we have modern problems like our life is way busier. Like if there was a guy in this world who's going to be the most busy human in the world, my guess is it would probably be Jesus, right? You know, even if he didn't have a smartphone and all these different ways to be connected, that guy was constantly under demand. Everybody wanted his attention. Everybody wanted a piece of him. Everybody wanted to hear from him, get a miracle from him, have some benefit from him. That guy's time was always being crunched, and Jesus had to learn how to tell things and people no for a second. He had to learn to prioritize prayer. He had to learn how to stop worrying about things outside of his human control. He had to stop trying to fix everything in the moment. He had to struggle to pray. So prayer is not for the select few. Prayer is for all of us. Second thing I want you to learn is this. 
prayer will be done in your life when it has a purpose. You do the things in your life you believe that matter, that have a purpose. Now follow with me. You see, we do not start praying when it gets easy. We start praying when it has a purpose. This is just like going to the gym. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's the same thing, the same concept. It's like exercise. You don't start exercising the moment it gets really easier. You get really strong. Like, hey, as soon as you know, I've got enough rest and my body feels really strong and I don't get out of breath when I walk up steps, as soon as I'm in that state, I'm going to head to the gym and start working out that day. It doesn't work that way, does it? We start praying when it has purpose. Well, here's what Paul says about Epaphras. He shows us the purpose. First of all, prayer is the work you are called to do. The work you are called to do. Your prayer life will take off when you and I really begin to see Jesus Christ in the right light. When we begin to relate to him in the right way. We enjoy Jesus. We appreciate Jesus. We need Jesus. But do you notice what Paul says about Epaphras? Epaphras, comma, one of you a servant of Jesus. Now the Greeks had two words for the word servant that they would use. It literally means just slave. One of the words was a guy or a girl who was captured in military battle. So they would take somebody from somewhere else, they would capture them, then bring them back as part of their what they call booty, this collection of things that they got from a place that they defeated, and they would make them indentured servants. The second word, doulos, means this. A person who would go to a master and say, I am going to commit my life to working for you. It was like an employer relationship. And that master would say, okay, i got this work to do and this work to do, and I need you to do this. And that slave, that servant, wouldn't wake up one day and say, you know, I appreciate your suggestions about what I should do today, but I think I'm going to go this way today. That's not how that relationship worked. If you were a servant, a slave of a master, and he said, do this work today, you go, okay. That, that's how this relationship works. He says, I do. He says, I do. And Epaphras, he says, the second type, is a servant of Jesus Christ. You see, the point is this. I know prayer is hard. It's hard for me. Really hard. But prayer is what you and I have been commanded to do. Let's let that land just for a second. Prayer is what you've been told by the master to do. Prayer is not the vitamin that I should take every morning. Lisa, when I broke my arm, bought me these vitamins. They're literally our Centrum Silver. You know, it's like 50 plus and like the whole deal. I'm like, all right, I get it. Calcium, it's fine. But prayer is not like the vitamin that I should take in the morning that is a good idea and will probably over time make me feel better. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not this subtle suggestion that might bless your life. You should think about doing, but, but you can leave it or take it. It doesn't matter. You see, what prayer really is, prayer is the laundry that needs to be done, the grass that needs to be cut. Prayer is the dinner that needs to be made, the car that needs to be fixed. I'm not talking about mundane tasks that you don't care about. I'm talking about the essential things that you must do to make your life run. That's what prayer is. So often we see prayer as just this like sort of side benefit to Christianity if you get to it, but you don't have to. Jesus didn't suggest prayer as a boost to your spiritual life. He commanded you as a servant in the kingdom to do it. So how many of us have had jobs we didn't want to do, didn't like, 
for three summers when I was uh, um, growing up in high school. I was the janitor at Muskingum College, Muskingum University now, but I was a janitor. I didn't like that job. It was cleaning toilets. It was waxing floors. It was, but I had to do it. It was a job that I had to do. If I wanted to make money and have money as a kid, I had to do that job. And we do these things even if we don't like to do them because we know that it has to be done. You and I will not start praying just as soon as we feel like it. We'll start praying and get better at it the more we do it. So that's crucial for us. That prayer is the work that we have been called to do. Secondly, prayer is the gateway to accomplishing the goals you're trying to get to. Now this is where it gets good, okay? I want, you to, I want you to get the weight of the first one, though, that prayer is what you have been commanded to do by Jesus Christ, our Master. But prayer is also the gateway to the goals you and I are trying to achieve in our life. Do you notice the end there in Colossians 4, what Paul says about Epaphras' prayer? What was he praying for? Epaphras, one of you, fellow servant of Christ, laboring always in prayer for two things, that you would stand mature, that means standing is this idea of steadfast, that it doesn't come and go, that it doesn't waver, that you have this unwavering ability to not falter, to be what you're supposed to be. So steadfast, standing, mature, having exactly what you need to be who you're supposed to be. Listen, prayer is the ultimate self-help move. All of us are kind of obsessed in this world today of figuring out, you know, we know our shortcomings, we know our faults, we want to get better, and we get all these different journals and these different books that we read to figure out how to be better. The reality is, the ultimate self-help move you can ever make is to start praying. You've got to pray. Prayer is the gateway to the goal you're trying to achieve to be a better version of yourself. Secondly, look what he says. Not only that you would stand mature, but that you would be fully assured in God's will. How many of you want to wake up tomorrow without a shadow of a doubt and know that what I'm going to do today is the will of the God of this world? Without question. Doesn't that that sound like peaceful? Confidence building? Gives you the courage to move into places and deal with people in a way that says, I'm going to be forthright, I'm going to be truthful, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to do work today, and then believe in what you're going to do. How many of you want to wake up tomorrow and say, what I'm doing and where I'm at and the people in my life is the will of God for me? I'm assured of that. Prayer is what unlocks that. The full conviction that what you're doing is what God wants you to be doing. If there are two things I could want for every person in this room, is that you would be exactly who God designed you to be and doing exactly what God wants you to do. You put those two things together, that's a pretty good life. And Epaphras is laboring in prayer saying, God, help them to stand fully mature, fully assured in your will. You see, prayer is not just what you've been told to do. Prayer is the gateway to the very things that you want in this life. Kind of interesting, isn't it? The guy who made us knows exactly what we need. He's telling us to do that. So labor in prayer. Have you ever wondered why Jesus prayed so much? You look in his life, he prayed all the time. Was Jesus praying so much just so he could practice his religion faithfully? Maybe. Was Jesus praying so much in his life just to kind of like show us an example? He really didn't need to pray, but he just wanted to show us what we need to do. I don't think so. You see, I think Jesus knew a secret, the secret to life with joy and peace, 
power, certainty, confidence, purpose. Jesus knew the secret to life going well is prayer. And when I say well, I don't mean easy. And when I say well, I don't mean no problems at all because Jesus was a man dedicated to prayer. And look where prayer landed him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was still praying. He knew what was in front of him. The will of God was difficult for him, and he knew it was in front of him, but he prayed even through that. Father, I want something else, but I'm going to trust you now. Let your will be done, because I trust that your will is right. You see, prayer isn't us finally giving up on our life, saying, well, I want these things, and I dream about this, and I guess I'll just pray and give up on all of that. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not giving up. Prayer is finally going all in on the will of God for your life. And that's the scary part. And it was scary for Jesus too. But he remembered, if I trust the Father, there's no greater Father than him. And I pray for his will. It may be hard, but it will be good. And he proved it, didn't he? Hebrews tells us that it was the joy set before him that gave him the power to endure the cross, despise the shame, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. It was the very joy of Jesus to go all the way to the cross so that you and I would have access to the Father in prayer in the name of Jesus. Church, you and I have been commanded to pray because it's the very best thing for us. So when you labor, when you struggle, when you fight, make a commitment to prayer. Don't give up because it's difficult. Hang in there all the way through and your life will follow the will of God and you'll be assured of that and you'll grow in your maturity to become like Jesus. If you need help in that journey right now, We really want to help. We'll pray for you right now or anytime you can see us. Let's stand and sing. You can come.